Hello, folks, and welcome back to the On Being Christian podcast. My name is Nolan Ruby. I am the pastor of the Wasatch Front Baptist Church here in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the On Being Christian podcast is a ministry of the Wasatch Front Baptist Church. I'll be your host, and I'd like to talk to you about a couple things today. I'm so glad that you chose to listen. I know that you could have been anywhere doing anything else, but something about this caught your attention, and I praise the Lord for it. Folks, I, I want to just get right to it, if you don't mind. I, w- I heard a saying the other day, and I think I'd heard it before, but for whatever reason, it just kind of stuck with me this time, and it was, good, uh, hard times build strong men. Strong men build good times. Good times build weak men, and weak men build bad times. And that cycle has continued, if you know anything about history, for as long as you and I can remember, that cycle has just continued. The, the continual rising and falling of societies, the continual rising and falling of people. We get complacent, we get fat, happy, and lazy, and we lose all our motivation and work ethic and then give it all away. And then someone comes after us to clean up the mess, and that hard time produced a kind of a calloused work ethic within themselves, and they worked hard and brought it all back up. And then three or four generations in, you get a bunch of lazy people and they drag it all back down. This has been going on since the recorded human history began. And so I, I started thinking about this, and a verse came to mind in Zechariah chapter 8. Now, Zechariah is in the Minor Prophets. It's not going to be one that you uh, use all the time, but I believe it's very particular, uh, very helpful to what we're talking about today, Zechariah chapter 8. I'm just going to read 9 through 13, and then you can follow along with me or just listen here. The Bible says in verse 9, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Let your hands be strong, ye that hear in these days those words by the mouth of the prophets, which were in the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. For before these days there was no hire for man, nor any hire for beast, neither was there any place to him that went out or came in because of the affliction. For I set all men, every one, against his neighbor. But now I will not be unto the residue of this people, as in the former days, saith the Lord of hosts. For the seed shall be prosperous... The vine shall give her fruit, and the ground shall give her increase, and the heavens shall give their due, and I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all these things. And it shall come to pass that as ye were a curse among the heathen, a house, O house of Judah, and house of Israel, so will I save you, and ye shall be a blessing. Fear not, let your hands be strong. So if you didn't notice there, two times there's a commandment to let your hands be strong. Verse 9, it says, thus saith the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong. And verse 13 says, fear not, but let your hands be strong. How do you do this? How do you have strong hands? Now, I've done a lot of different jobs over the years, and I've been a weightlifter for a, a, a long time, and my hands have never been very nice. <laughs> They're pretty rough. They, 
They're, they're not as rough as they used to be. I used to work concrete 10 hours a day, and I would lift for two hours in the morning and then work 10 hours in concrete during the day, and my hands were just like sandpaper. They were, they were pretty broken and gutted up. I remember my grandfather's hands. I remember his hands. He, my, my, my grandfather on my dad's side, he had these hands that looked like they'd been through a wood chipper, and the wood chipper lost. They were just mangled, bent. And uh, I remember that he couldn't really wear a wedding ring because in order for the ring to get over his knuckle, it had to be of such an, a ginormous size that it was uncomfortable to wear. And so my grandmother wore his wedding ring around on a necklace. And even then, I remember looking at this like massive ring on her neck and looking at his hands. They were just these big, grippy beat up hands. They were strong hands. He was a World War II veteran. He was in agriculture for most of his professional life. He built an implement company. And it, it was his hands that I remember being very attracted to as a boy. Like, what in the world have those things been through? Strong hands. Folks, you and I are commanded physically and, and mentally, spiritually, to have strong hands. Now, what does it mean? What does strong hands mean? Well, the word strong here is a word for, uh, it's a word to fortify. It's to bind and conquer. It's, it's the force that you would use to confirm something or to be constant in something. It's the force that you would use to establish something. It means to make lean, to, to be mighty and to prevail, to be stout, to make sure it's the same idea of behaving valiantly. It's the idea of not just standing, but withstanding something of equal or greater force. That's what that word strong means. And the word hands is a, is a word, I'm taking these definitions out of the Strong's, dic, uh, the Strong's Concordance. It's a word that means, um, it, it indicates power, specifically a means or a direction of power. Uh, in distinction from from uh, a different definition, which means closed, this definition would mean open, open hands, distinctive, uh, uh, powerful, directive hands. It's the, it, it's the indication of knowing exactly what your purpose is, knowing exactly where you're going and how you're getting there. That's the idea of strong hands. In other words, if I were to put these things together— I would have a definition that means that I have a biblical command to be established and to behave valiantly towards a very distinctive and specific direction. Man, if that is exactly the opposite of our society today. Folks, how many people, if I were to ask you to tell me how many people in your life today know exactly who they are? And they know exactly where they're going. And they're not intimidated at all by the words that you may or may not call them, by the names and definitions you may or may not give to them. They're just, I think Abraham Lincoln once said it, and if I, now that I've said his name, I gotta remember the quote exactly. He said, Being, We need to be so big, or how did he say that? We need to be big enough to not take offense and also big enough not to give it. 
In other words, compassionate enough to not get involved in petty arguments, but at the same time, big enough in our own self and our own understanding of direction and worth not to really be affected by the petty arguments. Be above it. That's what the term strong hands means. You're going you're gonna to be above it. You're going to have a, a, an incredibly uh, particular, very, very established, very pre- prevalent um, understanding of your direction, your cause, your drive. I have a framed piece of art in my office that my wife made for me, and it simply says, for necessity is laid upon me, I must preach. It's quoting the Bible, and that's kind of where I have lived my life, and my wife knows that, and she knows it's it's a necessity that's been placed upon me. You can say whatever you want. You can hold whatever opinions you want about it. I don't hold anything against you. You can. I'm, I'm not here to, to force things upon you. I'm not here to um, tell you you've got to do it my way. I'm here to show you what the Bible says. It's a, it's a, it's a cause that I cannot but do. You say, how do you know you can't, you can't do anything else? Well, without getting into it, uh, I know that I can't do anything else because I've tried and failed miserably. Not because I couldn't do it, but because the Lord wouldn't allow me. And so that's what the idea is. Strong hands, purpose. And like I said before, if I were to ask you to tell me who in your life knows exactly who they are, and they know exactly what they're doing. You know, sometimes that type of person is either really well-received or not well-received at all. Sometimes a very confident person can be a very frustrating person when you're trying to look for uh, something to understand your own your own uh, proclivities to waver in things. Someone who comes around who doesn't waver ever, they're, that's a frustrating person. If you've ever dealt with anybody who's incredibly into fitness, um, there are certain things that, because 85% of fitness is nutrition. What you eat is what you are, all right? And so when people are putting, when people are, you know, when you're dealing with someone who, who's given over to that, that aspect of life and they're pursuing a goal uh, or a way of life as a goal, and you go out and uh, it's party time, right? And so you've got the goodies lined up. Uh, I don't drink at all. I would recommend that you don't. But when they do and you have that one person who doesn't, they don't drink. It's so frustrating. <laughs> or you're going to a birthday party and everybody's getting a piece of cake and the guy just simply says, oh, no, thanks. I don't eat sweets. And you're like, oh, come on, it's somebody's birthday. And he doesn't ever, ever or she doesn't ever make any exception for the rule. That's the kind of person I'm talking about. Strong hands. You realize, folks, that's the kind of people that God's interested in you and I being. Strong. Effective. Sold out for one cause. Distinctive, if you will. Valiant. Driven by cause. Driven by purpose over pleasure. There's not a lot of that around today. We're going into what I fear is a weak men stage. Because we've had so much excess and so much extra for so long. We've got generations of men and women coming up that don't understand what a dollar's worth. They don't understand that the worth is in the work, not the reward. They don't understand any of it. 
they expect to be taken care of and pampered because they're worth it. I think that's an old commercial, because you're worth it. No, you're not. You're not worth it, folks. God's worth it. God's worth it. He's worth it all. And if you worked your entire life for one cause and never got a penny, would it, would it be worth it to you? Strong hands. So we have a command to have strong hands, but it is between verse 9 and verse 13 where we see both of the commands for us to have strong hands that we find how we are told to have strong hands. So if I look at verse 9, it says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, let your hands be strong. And then it says this, Ye that hear in these days these words by the mouth of the prophets, which were in the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. And then it goes on. Hear. Hear. Hear what? Here are the words that God gave through the prophets. This is the Old Testament. We're talking about men who were prophetically talking about what Jesus Christ would do, not what he did do. And so they were looking forward to the life of Jesus Christ, uh, apart from some of the writers of the New Testament who were looking, in some instances, in, in the present, and in others looking back on what Jesus Christ had done, whether it's the Old Testament or whether it's the New Testament, whether it was prior to the physical existence of Jesus Christ on earth or whether it was after his physical existence, salvation has always been about Jesus Christ, okay? And strong hands is about understanding uh, or is, is accomplished by hearing what God says. That's what it said, hear. So let's look at this. What does this mean? Here, these words by the mouth of the prophets. Verse 12 says, I will cause this people to possess all things. So how do I, how do I get to where I'm winning? How do I get to where I'm possessing what the Lord's desire for me to possess is? Well, I have to hear. I have to hear. Okay. How do I keep it? How do I keep what I've uh, become in, in possession of? How do I, well, I have to have strong hands. Well, how do I get those strong hands? I have to hear. And not just anything, but the Word of God specifically. So many times, folks, in Christianity, we think that Christianity is just this idea of us being something good. But anybody and everybody could define what that good thing is. It's not, it's not defined by a particular thing. And that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is not being good. Christianity is being obedient. Big difference. Big difference. So let's look at what the Bible says about hearing, because I understand that if I'm going to have strong hands, it's going to be done because I'm hearing. Well, what am I hearing? Well, the first thing that we can look at is Romans chapter 10. And if we start in verse 8, and I read down through verse 17, the Bible has some things to say about hearing. Um, Romans eight seventeen, the Bible says, and if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon, I'm, I'm sorry, I just jumped into Romans chapter 8. I'm going to jump you over to Romans chapter 10. And uh, Romans chapter 8 is a great one, but that's not what we're reading. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through verse 17, the Bible says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord overall is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Verse 16 says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So how do I have strong hands, folks? Well, I have to hear. Well, how do I hear? Well, I have to expose myself to the preaching of God's word. That's how I hear. I, I tire sometimes of this idea that Christianity can be lived apart from exposure to the preaching of the Word of God. Being a Christian means I'm exposing myself to the preaching of the Word of God. I'm not exposing myself to a culture. I'm not exposing myself to a tradition, a, a faith origin. I'm exposing myself to preaching, not man's opinions of things, but rather God's opinions of things from the Bible. That's preaching. I think too often in our churches today, we go to church and we get a couple of good songs and so-and-so does a couple specials. We have some good cups of coffee. I've even seen churches that have coffee shops inside the churches. And then someone gets up and for five minutes says a good kind of feel-good idea from a half a verse taken out of context. We all congratulate ourselves on how good we are that we came to church and rush home to see the football game. Folks, that's not Christianity. That's not hearing. Hearing is putting myself in a position where I can be challenged and convicted by the Word of God. And if I don't do that, what's the product of it? Weak hands. Weak hands are the product of not hearing the Word of God. And I'm commanded to have strong hands. Well, if I'm commanded to have strong hands, then I am thus commanded to expose myself to the preaching of God's Word, because iron sharpens iron. Silk doesn't sharpen much. My boys and I, we play chess. It's getting to the point where I got to be real careful. Um, the oldest one has beat me uh, two or three times now, and if I'm not paying attention, he'll make me pay for it. And um, but anyway, they were fussing the other day. One of them was fussing about not ever winning. And I told him, I said, "You realize in this relationship of you and me playing chess, I'm only getting worse, and you're only getting better." Because I'm not, I'm not being challenged. I'm not saying that I'm super awesome at chess, though I am. I'm just saying that in this particular situation, uh, one, of them is, one of us is getting better. The stone that's hard does not get better unless the thing that's hitting it is harder. The knife doesn't get sharper if it's stronger than the thing that's sharpening it. And you and I, folks, as Christians... We don't, our hands are not made strong by always being comfortable. If I go to church and I'm never challenged, 
If I go to church and I never have anything to confess before my father, if I go to church and I never feel like the Lord was talking to me today and there's a certain part of my life, a certain habit that I'm involved in that needs to stop, that needs to change today, then I'm weaker and weaker and weaker. And weak men produce bad times. You say, well, how do you know? Folks, take a look around our country and ask yourself how I know. We've got more soft, weak men than I think we've ever had. Just this absolute indulgence of comfort. It's disgusting, just to be very honest with you. Where are the guys of my youth? Somebody asked me the other day. I don't even remember how we were talking about it, but I was making a comment about drinking from the drinking from the fire hose, you know, from the hose out front and something. Somebody said something like, didn't you all have sinks? Like, why are you, why does everybody tell me they were drinking from hoses? Couldn't you just go inside and drink from the sink? I said, no, we couldn't go inside. He said, why? I said, because as soon as the sun came up, my mother locked the door. (laughs) My father said, go outside and play. And that we understood to mean until the sun goes down, I don't want to see your face. And so we, we played, I mean, I've got scars from BB Wars, and I've got scars from just all kinds of stupid. We played Bike Tag. We played Kill the Carrier. We played Red Rover on steroids. I mean, this thing was like smash them, grab them game. We played all kinds of games all day long, and if you're thirsty, you turn on the hose and get a drink. Now we don't have that anymore. We don't, and, and I know under every generation, you're gonna every generation, and I understand this has has been weaker than the one before. And we well, back in our day, we used to. I get it, I get it, but we're to the point now where we can live our entire lives inside. Everything that we engage our mind with is is virtual, not physical. And in the Christian life, we aren't being engaged with anything. We're not being sharpened. We're not being challenged. We're not being convicted. We're just existing. For what? For what? There's another verse in Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1 over here in the New Testament, right before we get into kind of the, the book of Hebrews, the, verse, the first four verses, the Bible says, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due time manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. He manifests his word. That word manifest is a word that means to uncover, to make known. God makes his word known through preaching. Well, I don't go to church. I don't do the whole preaching thing. I'm religious. I love God, but I'm not in church. Well, folks, just bear with me for a second. If I'm not exposing myself to anything that's making me sharper, then I'm weak by my own definition, by my own by my own desire, and I'm only becoming weaker. Why? Because God makes himself manifest through the preaching of his word. And if I don't hear the preaching of his word, then I am losing strength. I'm losing strength. 
Mark chapter 4 and verse 9, you say, how many verses are there on this? Well, the Bible's full of it. To tell you the truth, Mark chapter 4 and verse 9 and again, I didn't write these down, so you have to bear with me as I'm kind of flipping through my Bible. Mark 4, 9 says, And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 23 says, If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 25 says, For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall be taken, even that which he hath. You say, what, what does that mean? Uh, folks, <clears throat> When I have strength and I don't pursue keeping the strength, I lose the strength. So how do I pursue, if I have strong hands in the faith and gospel of Jesus Christ, if I have strong hands, capable hands, uh, purpose-driven hands, and this I'm using the term strong hands or purpose-driven hands for the concept of understanding exactly who you are, if I am that person, but I, I stop listening— I stop hearing the Word of God, then I won't be that person for very long. We had a, a saying in the Marine Corps, the skill you don't use is the skill you lose. And that's exactly the same for Christianity. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose the privilege to be used of God. When I'm so in love with comfort, when I'm so in love with indulgences, when I'm so in love with the idea of doing what I want to do, I lose strength. I lose skill. I lose ability. Go to Matthew chapter 11, verse 15. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 15, the Bible says here, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And we go down and all the same things that we just read in Mark, you're going to see in Matthew. Uh, Matthew 13 and verse 9, I believe. Yeah, it says the same thing. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. You see this all throughout Revelation. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Why is it so important to hear the preaching of the Word of God? Why is it so important to hear the Bible being preached? To hear the Word of God, to hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Because that's how I have strong hands. You and I, folks, we can sit here and complain all day long about politicians, about presidents and governors and governments, and about how they are or are not doing what we want them to do. But in reality, all those things that I just said, all those political figures, they're just extensions, reflections of our society. And the weaker our society gets, the weaker those representing our society becomes. You say, that's kind of harsh. Well, sometimes truth is just the truth, regardless of what you and I think about it. And that's exactly the case of where we're living today. We have such a weak uh, temperament, a weak back, weak hands. It's literally the definition of lambs ruling over the lions. How do we get here? We stop listening to the Word of God. We stopped valuing what God says. We started listening to men, mostly our own selves, 
We started thinking that what we want, what we desire, is more important than what God says. And the product has been weak churches, weak families, which has led to weak churches, which has led to weak cities, states, countries, weakness. Weakness. And the price for weakness is expensive. And I fear that we're getting ready to pay it. Here, hearing the word of God. Go to uh, Jeremiah chapter 26. There's 15 verses right in the beginning of, of Jeremiah 26 that I think we'll read and, and then kind of draw it down here. Jeremiah chapter 26, it says, In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, came this word from the Lord, saying, and we're about to get into this story, but what's going on is just the prophet Jeremiah is laying out this story, and the word of God came, and this is what's going on. It's just kind of a background here. Verse 2, Thus saith the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house, and speak unto all the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house. All the words that I command thee to speak unto them diminish not a word. If so be that they will hearken and turn every man from his evil way, that I may repent, excuse me, that I may repent me of the evil which I propose to do unto them because of the evil of their doings. And so just by way of introduction here, we understand men are being told to repent. Men are being told to turn, and if they don't, there's going to be a price to pay. There's going to be a cost to that disobedience. Verse 4 says, And thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, If ye will not hearken to me to walk in my law, which I have set before you, to hearken to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I sent unto you, both rising up early and sending them, but ye have not hearkened, then will I make this house like Shiloh, and will make this city a curse to all the nations of the earth. So the priest and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. Now it came to pass when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking, all that the Lord had commanded him to speak unto all the people, that the priest and the prophets and all the people took him, saying, Thou shalt surely die. <laughs> so what was the product? Jeremiah told the people exactly what God told him to say. And instead of listening to what Jeremiah said, the people said, we're going to kill you for what you just said. If that's not the exact epitome of killing the messenger, then I don't know what is. Verse 9, Why hast thou prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without an inhabitant? And all the people were gathered against Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. So they're angry, and they're saying, why did you say what you said? Now, we already understand from the Word of God that Jeremiah said it because he was told to say it. And you realize that's happening today. All across our country, men with the Word of God in their hands are saying, this is what the Bible says. And our society is labeling them most often right-wing extremists. Wow, those are just people believing the Bible. Who, who do they think they are? Folks, the reality is most of those men, if not all of them, don't really have very much of an opinion about themselves at all. They're just telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says God will not let this go. He won't let it go. If you want to have a purposeful life, strong hands, you, you have to hear, you have to listen. 
And the rejection of listening to the Word of God comes at a price, a very high price. Verse 10 says, When the priest of Judea heard these things, then they came up from the king's house unto the house of the Lord and sat down in the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. Then spake the priest and the prophets unto the the princes and all the people, saying, This man is worthy to die, for he hath prophesied against this city, as ye have heard with your own ears. Verse 12 says, Then spake Jeremiah unto all the princes, And all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city all the words that ye have heard. Therefore now amend, which means change, your ways and your doings, and obey the voice of the Lord your God, and the Lord will repent him of the evil that he hath pronounced against you. As for me, behold, I am in your hand. Do with me as seemeth good and meet unto you. But know ye for certain that if ye put me to death, ye shall surely bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and upon the inhabitants thereof. For of a truth, the Lord hath sent me unto you to speak all these words in your ears. Folks, here's what I want to, I kind of want to give you. We have this idea that, uh, what we want and how we think things should work matters more than anything else. And human nature is a declining thing. It's a sinking thing. And so from that perspective, weak hands are the product of what we would naturally choose. But I'm commanded to have strong hands. I'm commanded to have purposeful, uh, distinguished, uh, cause-first, prevailing, mighty, valiant hands. How do I have that? Well, I have to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how do I have faith? The Bible says faith cometh by hearing. I have to I have to expose myself to the preaching of the word of God. Now, when God starts talking, you'll be tempted to hold the man of God accountable. Now, very briefly, this is not a message intended to tell you that what men say, whether they're saying it is of God or not, is not to be balanced. There's a Bible verse that says, weigh the spirits. And so if somebody comes to you and proclaims themselves to be speaking for God, and everything they say is against what the Bible says, then they're not speaking for God. Do you understand that? If someone comes to you and says, we have a new religion, and that religion or that way of doing things is not found in the Bible, that's not a new religion. That's just the concepts of men. But when a man of God, which can be anybody who speaks for God, opens up the Bible and reads what the Bible says and takes it at point-blank face value, humanity has a, has a history of, of getting very mad at those people. And so if you're a man or a woman and you're living the Christian life, and you're living it in such a way that causes other people conviction, it's not often that they're going to look kindly upon you. Okay? But that's how it that's how the work of God is done. Through hearing, and hearing can be not only through the spoken word, but through the observation of a life lived for Christ. Is your life saying something that Christ would want it to say? Is your life on a regular basis uh, proclaiming 
the sanctification of glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Or is it saying something else? Are you regularly exposing yourself to the preaching of God's Word? Or are you one of these ones who thinks, well, it's not really that important. I'm a Christian, I love God, but I don't need to go to church to prove it. I've heard that a bunch. Why does everybody think they need to prove it? Going to church is not about proving you love God. You go to church because you love Him. I don't go home to prove to my wife that I love her. I go home because that's where she is and I want to be with her. If I want to have strong hands, if I want to know exactly who I am and exactly where I'm going, if I want to be uh, unmolested, if you will, by all of the things in society that so often attaches itself to people and pulls it in all these different directions, if I want to be clear-minded, focus-driven, then I have to expose myself to the continual hearing of the Word of God. I have to listen to preaching. Not only do I have to for the sake of what I want, but the Bible commands me to have strong hands. Let me ask you this question. Who do you rely on in life today? Maybe it's your mom, maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's your pastor, maybe it's your boss, maybe it's a counselor, a mentor. But who, who do you rely on? Whenever you have that person in mind, I want you to ask yourself this question. Why do you rely on them? What is it about them that's strong? This could be anything. If you're an athlete, it could be a coach. If you're an employee, it could be a boss. If you're a boss, it could be a system. It could be a mentor. It could be an employee. It doesn't matter. Leaders come in every shape and size and aspect of life. My question is very simple. Why do you, why do you lean on the people in your life that you lean on? I think if you are honest with yourself, you're going to realize there's a strength in them that you don't have. Why? What are they exposing themselves to? What are they allowing to change themselves? Because man in his natural state is not a leader. There's no such thing as a born leader. There's no such thing as a born strong man, a born mentor. You have, to, you have to do the things that make you capable of being a leader. You have to apply yourself to a trade long enough to be a mentor to someone else who doesn't know what they're doing. So why are you pursuing or, or the person in your life that you're pulling strength from, why are they the source of your strength? And let me ask you, in addition to that, do you want to be the source of strength for someone else? I think one of the problems that we have, and it breaks my heart, is that we have a whole generation of people who don't know where any source of strength is. They have no concept of where to go to, to find strength. They've been told that anything that disagrees with how they view something is toxic, this weird phrase that's kind of popped up, toxic masculinity. Do you understand that no form of true masculinity can actually be toxic? Because the moment it becomes to toxic or, 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 or dangerous, it's no longer masculine. True masculinity is, is tender and cares for people. It protects people. It doesn't abuse them. And so uh, getting off topic a little bit, what gives you strong hands? Well, I have to have faith. Well, how do I have faith? Well, I have to hear. And what do I hear? Well, I have to hear the Word of God. I have to expose myself to the preaching of God's Word. Are you active in your church? 
Do you have a church? Do you have somewhere where you go to expose yourself to the preaching of God's Word? If not, you will become weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. Until there's nothing left. The Bible doesn't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. We're commanded to have strong hands. Strong hands are a product of what we give ourselves to. Uh, strong hands are a product of what we listen to. Strong hands are a product of being strengthened. And strengthening takes confrontation. If I live a life continually in avoidance of confrontation spiritually, then I'm living a life willfully chasing ignorance, chasing weakness. And if I chase it long enough, folks, here's my promise, you'll get it. You'll get it. A man in my life, without going into much detail, chose this way, chose this just total rejection of hearing the Word of God. And he died alone in bed, six-foot-one guy, weighing about 120 pounds. He had no predominant illness that took him there, except for such unbelievable selfishness, such unbelievable desire to always be comfortable that it ended his life. Folks, thank you for listening. I and my desire for you, and I believe the, the God's desire for us through the Word of God, is that we have strong hands. And if we're not exposing ourselves to the preaching of the Word of God on a regular basis, we're not going to have it. The world is looking for some people with strong hands. The world is looking for some leaders. I'd like for that to be you. Let's pray we'll be dismissed and be done. Father, thank you so much for everything you've done for us. Please help us to understand the value of being strong, having strong hands, having capable hands, not as we would define it, but as you would define it. Lord, we leave these things in your strong and capable hands, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, folks, thanks so much. Uh, you can reach out to me if you need to, wasatchfrontbaptistchurch.com. That's W-A-S-A-T-C-H, frontbaptistchurch.com. There's a link under the Contact Us page, or, or there's a there's, on that page is a link under the Contact Us button where you can send me an email directly. If you have any questions, I'd love to hear from you. I'd get back to you if I can, um, and I will. I, I've gotten back to everybody so far. And, um, and if you're in the Salt Lake City area, we'd love to see you. Services here are posted on the website, and so if it works out, you can give us a call, or if you need particularly just some help getting here, you let us know. We'll do everything we can for you. All right, I'll talk to you next time. God bless.